This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 252. Recorded on Leap Day, Monday, February 29, 2016. Oh, it is a Leap Day. Yeah, it's the first one in four years, and I think it's probably the first time we've ever recorded on February the 29th. I would think so. It's unlikely that we did hit it the last time. There would have been only one other opportunity in the history of this podcast, and I bet we missed it. I bet you we did as well. So here we are. Uh, before we get started... Um, I do want to remind everyone that we had a giveaway running Now it ends today. So you probably, by the time you hear this, don't have a chance to enter it. But if you did enter, just keep in mind that winners will be notified soon. We have to choose the winner and uh, we'll be in touch with you if you are that lucky person. But I just want to say a big thanks to everyone who entered. And of course, a big thanks to Gold Label for setting this up with us for the uh, the Walking Dead hoodie. So uh, good luck to everyone who entered. And if you are the winner, we'll be in touch. Now, the other thing I want to address <laughs> is something yeah. else that happened for the first time in the history of this podcast this week. And that is that we missed our feedback show uh, for for the last episode of The Walking Dead. And I don't know if missed is the right word, because boy, howdy, did we try to get one out. Uh, I thought uh, I thought it went well when we actually recorded it, except yeah. for the uh, the ticking and the clicking and the, the noises that were coming from your end, it, which honestly I thought was just Skype well, at the time. But yeah. apparently that uh, those obnoxious noises made it to tape. Well, yes, uh, we, we learned two things uh, of two valuable lessons. One, that uh, Jason learned that if he hears something on the, on the other end of the audio, he should say something. Speak up, man. Yeah, speak up. And two, I learned that I just don't think I trust USB microphones anymore, which no. I don't use normally. Right now, I'm not using one. Yeah. Um, but when I'm on the road, I did. And I tend to use one, and I've used it before successfully, but now I just don't know what to do. But here's what happened. So I was traveling. I was in Calgary, uh, and as you may remember, and so Jason and I weren't able to record on Wednesday like we do, so we were recording on Thursday. We actually did do the recording, and like you said, it seemed to go pretty well. You know, feedback show. We read all the feedback. It was fun. It was good times. And my plan was to edit the episode while I was on the plane on the way home on Friday morning and then release it when I got home Friday. So I sat down on the plane, cracked open the laptop, got comfortable and started listening to the audio. And yeah, my track was full of static, sounded crappy and was totally unusable. So I got bummed out. Did you it. break down into in, into tears? Did you did you cry? no. Complain to your uh, your seatmate and go, oh, woe is me, my audio is crappy, I can't release my podcast. No, no, I didn't do that, but uh, my seatmate was a, a funny guy. He actually put his knees up on the back of the seat in front of him for a while. That's obnoxious for like everybody within a 360 degree uh, angle of that guy. It, it was obnoxious for me just watching it, thinking about what that poor lady in front of him was feeling with his knees bouncing off that thing constantly. But Did he take his socks and shoes off too? Because that would be the only thing that would make it more annoying. Shoes, not socks. Oh, 
What a rat bastard. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And he had the balls or the gall not to ask about my podcast problems. Anyways, um, <laughs> I started to work on it, found out it, was, it wasn't going to work. I messed around like in disbelief for a little while thinking, well, maybe if I quit and restart, everything will sound good. So I did that and no, it didn't sound right. And I tried applying noise correction and click removal filters and things like that, but... It just wasn't happening. So you just you got to ride the mute button and, and be like yeah. lightning fast on the on the mute for clicking every click. Couldn't do that. So landed in Toronto, got off the plane, texted you to let you know. We talked briefly about you know what our options were: re-recording, just skipping it, whatever. And unfortunately, because it was already Friday, we wouldn't have time to re-record between over the weekend. So we just had to let it go. And then on Saturday, I went and tweeted and wrote a post about what happened. So in case you missed that, or you were wondering where the show was, uh, visit our website, talking And there's a post there explaining kind of what happened. Although I just did as well. So, um, what we're going to do instead, uh, on Wednesday this week, when we record our feedback show for this episode, which is number 11 of season six, I'm going to include a bit of the feedback that was supposed to be in the show last week. So we'll do an extra segment. Um, we'll do an extra little bit. abbreviated segment, like not the full thing, but it's just a, a snippet of some of the uh, yeah. uh, of the feedback. Yeah, yeah. We'll do, exactly. We'll do a little bit of it. Not all of it, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I guess the nice thing is my side of the uh, recording is already done. <laughs> I just, you, know, you just fill in your half again and we're all good to go. Yeah, I could transcribe everything <laughs> I said and then just try to re-record myself. That would be... Hilarious, probably, actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyways, it's a huge bummer, but uh, I apologize for screwing that up. It's the first time in two, over 250 episodes and, what is it, six years that, like that, that, yeah. that, we've, that we've actually lost an episode that was just unusable. So that's a pretty good run, I think. That's pretty good. And just uh, you're not allowed to use that microphone anymore. I know. Or at least when you do. I should pay attention to what the hell's happening around me. <laughs> yeah, please. That would be nice. I didn't know at the time you heard the problem as we were doing it. So I just assumed it was Skype. The Skype gods can be fickle. Yeah. And a real bitch sometimes. Uh so, you know, I've we've recorded in worse conditions. I've heard worse worse audio on Skype and we've uh we've muddled through. So I I just assumed it was the Skype gods being angry that you were in Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might've done the same too. Um, but whatever, whatever it's, it, it is what it is. The other thing that came out of all of this is once I wrote that post and put it on our Facebook page and stuff like that, um, a whole bunch of people wrote in and were like, Hey, don't worry about it. You know, these things happen, technical glitches, you know, they, they happen. There's nothing you can do. You guys have been really consistent you know, pretty much for years now. So don't worry about it. A lot of people wrote, oh, I'm so glad you wrote that. I thought something bad happened to one of you or something, you know, and it was just so much, so much concern expressed by all the listeners that it, uh, it warmed the cockles. And I, you know, I really, really felt like we do have like the best listeners in the world. We absolutely do. They were so concerned. The nice thing is that uh, this had to be this. This wasn't just one failure. This was a uh, a convergence of multiple points of failure, which is nice to know because if we had uh, if any one thing had failed, we could probably 
make sure an episode had come out. But multiple things had failed. There was a technical glitch, followed by Jason being an idiot and not saying anything, <laughs> followed by you not noticing until you were on the plane, followed by not enough time to actually record and get this thing, uh, get it out in time. So if any of any one of those four points uh, had, uh, hadn't occurred, we probably could have got an episode out. We probably so, could have, yeah. The consistency is there because, you know, normally we don't have our heads up our own asses and we can, uh, we can you know, roll over these, these little glitches. And we've had glitches in the past where we've, we've had to work around them. Yeah. And we, we try our darndest to do that. But every once in a while, you know, all the planets are going to align and you're going to get uh, idiocy uh, compounded with uh, technical failures and uh, an episode gets, uh, gets lost. Gets lost, yeah. So, anyways, it hopefully will never happen again, but uh, we do have the greatest listeners ever. They were all just so concerned. A couple of people said, get your shit together, which, yeah. you know, well, fair that, enough. That's fair. We yeah. should get our shit together. We should not have those <laughs> failures uh, compound like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, as I said, hopefully that doesn't happen again, but let's uh, put that behind us okay. and move forward. And we're now going to talk about uh, Season 6, Episode 11, and as requested, we got some people reading the title, so here they are. Knots Untie. Knots Untie. Knots Untie. I'll tell you about a samurai warrior. His name, Knots Untie. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeff in upstate New York, Sam in Decatur, Georgia, some guy in Wainwright, Alberta, and Todd on the internet. <laughs> uh, I especially liked all those. Yes, they were. Uh, I, I love doing that. Yeah, uh, me too. It's it. It's just interpretations on the title is so much fun. I'd say. <laughs> all right, uh, no ratings to talk about, but hopefully we'll get into that next uh, podcast on the uh, on Wednesday's feedback show. Well, this time it was north of seventeen people. Is my prediction okay good north of 17 you never know but uh i'm pretty sure that's a safe guess there i don't want to be wrong no you don't want to be wrong all right so we start this episode with sasha and abraham and they are coming in through the gate to alexandria and he's telling her a story about a camel eating some keys and then shitting them out right is this is an old army story i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know I've never, I've never particularly heard this story. No, I've heard about uh, mosquitoes the size of uh, small Hondas picking up people and taking them, taking them away. But that's Northern Ontario stuff. Jesus, that is frightening. They got some big mosquitoes up there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would not want to encounter one of those bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's telling her the story, and I think the point is just that they are very comfortable with each other. They're very friendly. They're bonding. They're just chatting about stuff. You know, they're they're very close. They've become close because they've been hanging out together a lot. Mm -hmm. um, as they come into the town, we see some kids run across the road in front of them. Really, the first few kids we've seen in Alexandria in a long time. That's good. Well, yeah, it's nice that they're around. I mean, we heard their voices or the sound of children playing way back when the everyone first arrived there, but... Other than Sam and Ron, and Ron's barely a kid, but other than Sam, we hadn't seen many. So now we see some kids run across the street, which is just another thing that seems to indicate that life in Alexandria has become comfortable mm. in the last month or so. People are feeling safe again. 
Uh, and Abraham is talking about how Alexandria is now a brave new world and it looks like they have a lot to look forward to. So um, Sasha starts telling him that she's starting a new shift on watch and that Eugene is going to take over patrolling with Abraham, which uh, <laughs> kind of takes, yeah, it sort of takes the, well, it's funny that Eugene's going to be patrolling. You think Abraham would have a say in this, right? Uh, you know, hey, I, Eugene, uh, is it okay if uh, Abraham patrols with you? Because Abraham is, uh, I think he would have something negative to say about that. Probably, but Eugene has stepped up lately, right? And he wants to, he wants to uh, contribute more. He wants to be, do something useful. And so I guess he wants to go out and, and patrol. <laughs> right. I don't know. And I mean, Abraham, yeah, might have a say, but Sasha also doesn't need to check with anyone really if she wants to change her shift around, I guess. Well, that, that, that part is fine. You know, she can do what she wants, but I, I don't, who decided that Abraham should go out with Eugene? Right. Well, who, maybe who made that decision, but maybe, maybe Abraham is so capable like he can go out with someone who's a bit of a newbie, who's a trainee kind of, and he can he can train him while he's out there. You don't want your two best people out together. Maybe it's better to have one of your best people and sort of an up and comer. Yeah, and and it all makes perfect sense. It's just it seems like uh, somebody's doing this to Abraham instead of uh, you know having him have a, have a, any kind of say in it or coming up with the idea himself. Yeah, but if it's anybody doing it to him, it's Sasha. Like she, although they seem really friendly, I got the feeling that she was intentionally distancing herself from him a bit. Because well, remember, yeah. he he professed his love for her, right? And yeah. she said, you got to deal with the Rosita thing first because I don't want to be involved in that. And so I think now time has gone by. Abraham hasn't done anything. So she's like, I'm going to step back a bit until you get your stuff sorted out. Yeah. Your love life. Spoiler alert, uh, uh, that, that situation is not over. No, it is not over. Um, so you can tell that he's feeling a bit upset about this as she walks away. And they give each other a peace sign. Right? Yeah. So it's supposed to indicate that they're still on good terms, I guess. Yes. Now, um, we flash, while she's walking away, we flash back and forth between Abe and Rosita in bed and Sasha walking away. Huh? Um, and then once we're into the scene with uh, him and Rosita, they talk about Eugene wanting to learn how to field strip automatics. So you right. see, Eugene wants, Eugene wants to do stuff. No, he does. I just thought the one thing that was surprising me here was that uh, nobody turned and went, right, Eugene? Because he's probably sitting in the corner, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what you told me, right? <laughs> That's what you said, right? You wanted the field strip. Uh... That's right. He's sitting in the corner or maybe peeking out of the closet watching them. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> he's around somewhere. He's, you can see. Oh, my. How hilarious would it have been if in that scene you pull back and you just see his head poking in the window? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Um, uh, in exchange for learning how to field strip weapons, uh, he's going to teach Rosita some chemistry. That, that's good. That's very good. Leo the lion says grr. What's that mean? Do you have any, did you take chemistry in high school? No. Leo is lose electrons. It's called oxidation, Leo. And grr is gain electrons reduction. Okay. So losing electrons is oxidation. Gaining electrons is reduction. And the acronym is Leo the lion says grr. That's grade 11 uh, chemistry right there. There, look at that, man. You learned something. It's a mnemonic device more than oh, a... Oh, I have no idea what that means, but I got the mnemonic device, and I seem to have remembered that from grade 11 chemistry, Mr. Smith. He was awesome. If there's one thing I know about you, man, it's that you have a very good memory. 
Oh no. You I do. have a random, randomly good memory. Well, whatever. It's still pretty good. You can remember stuff that I am amazed that you can remember. Well, that's because I pick and choose what I tell you that I remember. If you ask my wife about, you know, do I, do, do I remember something that she said like 10 minutes ago? Forget it. Okay, that's different though. <laughs> right. But you can remember some funny nursery rhyme from 1983. That, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, see? Um. So Rosita gets out of bed and she gives Abe a necklace that she made from a broken piece of glass from the uh, tail light of the fuel truck. Mm-hmm. It's actually really well made. I thought it I thought looked it was nice. I thought it looked nice too. It, it almost reminded me of the Batman symbol a little bit, mm. made of tail light glass or half a heart, or half a heart. Yeah. Um, and then she invites him into the shower with her. So they uh, they seem to be doing okay. But Abraham yep. is definitely having some some uh, thoughts otherwise, I'd say. Anyways, we go over to Maggie, and she's working on some tom- uh, tomato plant trellises. In the middle of the night. <laughs> In the middle of the night. I don't know. She didn't even have a light with her. Yeah, but hey. Um, and she's kind of upset that uh, nothing's growing yet. So Glenn comes over, and he says it'll be okay. Don't worry. Everything's going to grow. And they chat for a minute, but then they see Dr. Denise run up from the jailhouse and summon Abe, who is coming down the sidewalk, and she looks kind of panicked. And we just see this in the distance. Uh, So Maggie and and Glenn start to run over, but we cut over to Jesus sitting in Rick's house. He's waiting on the stairs, and Carl sneaks up behind him and puts a gun to his head. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he's in the house. Carl doesn't know who he is. Um, Jesus says he's waiting for, quote, your mom and dad to get dressed. Yeah. Calls Michonne Carl's mom. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's a, I can see how that can be confusing for Jesus. But, uh, it is, yeah, Michonne is definitely not Carl's mom. It's the woman Rick is sleeping with. Now, how does Jesus even know that uh, uh, Carl is Rick's son? Oh, he made all kinds of assumptions there. He just happened to get that part of the assumption right as far as Rick and uh, and, and Carl's relationship. Yeah, maybe. But he's a pretty observant guy, I think, too, uh, as we find out in a second. Um, Rick and Michonne come out partially dressed, and then Daryl, Glenn, and Abe come running up the stairs with their guns drawn. So, you know, half the town is there, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, I, you know, I guess they're on high alert. Jesus is hanging around, and they—, they he seems to be able to sneak out of wherever he wants to. So, you know, uh, they all start talking down in the kitchen. In the morning. It's all of a sudden it's morning now. It's morning. Because, uh, okay, let's see what happened here. Uh, Rick and Michonne started making out on the couch. Yes, that was nighttime. Went, that was nighttime. And then they went to bed. Yep. And then Jesus showed up. And now it's morning. Okay, no. So Rick and Michonne were making out on the couch at nighttime. They went to bed. Yep. Yes. Um. During that nighttime period is when Glenn and Maggie are working on the tomatoes and they see the, basically the result of Jesus escaping. That's what Denise and Abe were worried about on the sidewalk there. Yep. Um, now, so he's already escaped at that point. So the scene where he's standing in the bedroom is already early morning. Oh, I see. So the whole night has already gone by and uh, Maggie and Glenn got up early and not they weren't just staying up late. Either got up early, or if they were staying up late, maybe Jesus was hiding out for the night and sort of showed up later at the bedroom. All right. Just it seems like you know 
a few things happened tonight and all of a sudden it's morning. Yeah, no, you're right. It was a little funny with the time, with the light changing, right? It's dark, middle of the night, then it's daytime. But um, I think that's what it was. He escaped at night and it was early morning and then they show up and by then the sun had come up. So anyways, they're now in the kitchen, they're chatting. And what I was getting at a second ago is that Jesus seems to know an awful lot about what's going on in Alexandria. He says, you have 54 people, which, who was it, Daryl? Or one of the, Maggie claims there's actually more. Yeah. Um, And he said, you have a large arsenal. So I think after he escaped, he snuck around at night and counted the people and checked out their their weapons cache. Yeah, that's not creepy at all. So he wasn't just in Rick and Michonne's bedroom. He was in everybody's bedroom. Well, that's the feeling I get. I mean, (laughs) unless he's just the kind of guy who's, who's observant and, but also is just sort of cocky, right? Like he's like, you've got 54 people. He has no idea really, but he says that to make them think he knows more information than he has. Well, it's kind of a weird gamble because if he's right, that's a powerful statement. If he's wrong, it just seems like an idiot. I guess so. It kind of, it kind of reveals There's 12 people something. and he says, you got 54 people. It's like, yeah, that's not right. What are you, moron? That's not right at all. I mean, But if it is absolutely right, and I think it is, I think it's the right number, then it does, it is a, uh, a very powerful statement. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It definitely sort of gives him the, the upper hand. Yeah. Um, so they're talking, he tells them that he searches for other settlements and supplies and that he's from a place called the Hilltop. Mm-hmm. So he says they have livestock, they grow food, and he thinks that the two communities can help each other. And uh, Maggie says, wait, 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 there are other groups out there. And then uh, he had a, a really good line. He said, you know what? Your world is about to get a whole lot bigger. Yeah, that was a good line. It was a really good line. So... We know by the end of this episode that there is at least Alexandria, the Hilltop, and the Saviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, if each one of those has 54 people or thereabouts, we're talking at suddenly 50 people in Alexandria to 150 people now amongst the three communities. So that is a whole lot bigger. It is. Right? Three times even. Three times. You know, who knows? So after the opening credits, that was the cold open. That was a lot of show for a cold open. It really was. It was like eight minutes. It was. So long time. Um, We come back after the credits. We see Daryl working on the RV. Uh, Denise comes up and gives him some oat cake, which he initially declines and says he'll pick something up on the road. And she says, what, like rabies? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, because I can see where Daryl's coming from. That's not food. That's what food eats. Oat cake? I bet it's okay. I'm sure it is, but you know it's Daryl. He wants to eat meat and potatoes and probably some fried chicken. Maybe, but you know what? Those things are probably hard to come by these days. So well, they little... are. And I, you know, I've got a hankering for fried chicken. I haven't had that in like two weeks. Two whole weeks. Two whole weeks. Wow. Do you make your own, or do you hit the KFC every two weeks? No, but I ha- I did hit the KFC like two weeks ago. Really? <laughs> I go go in for a couple of a uh, couple of drumsticks. Yeah. The last time I had KFC, I just, God, hated it. Did you? Oh, yeah. I don't know what it was. I hadn't been in years, and I thought, let's go try it. Had it. Ooh, it was not good. Yeah, there, there's, they put something in the KFC that, to make, sh- make you crave it fortnightly. <laughs> well, then you're due, I guess. <laughs> Is that How I Married an Axe Murderer? I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, I think that's what he, was, he, that's what he said about KFC, is that they put some drug in there to make you 
uh, crave it fortnightly. <laughs> Interesting. I like <laughs> Every that. Every two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, Daryl doesn't want the oat cake, but ultimately he takes it. And this is the second episode in a row now where we've had kind of a funny little interaction between Daryl and Dr. Denise. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what are they, are they doing anything here or is it just a coincidence? Like why uh, are they pairing people up? Carol wasn't in this episode at all. So they got to have somebody to, for Daryl to, uh, riff off of. To like be awkward with? <laughs> well, Yeah. This this wasn't as awkward as last week, I didn't think, though. Um, I kind of like this better, but sort of the end result was kind of the same. It was Denise sort of rambling on a little bit and then ultimately just walking away going, whatever. I think they're just trying to introduce Denise as a regular character. They're trying to get her on screen as much as possible so that we get used to her. We like her. We know there's a, a personal interaction with some of the characters. We got a little bit of back and forth, and then they'll kill her off. Well, I hope not because I actually really like that idea. I'm I'm growing to like Dr. Denise more and more every episode. Even, you know, we get these little bits of her and uh I liked her before, but the stuff with the wolf and then these kind of things, I'm I'm really starting to like the character and I think the the actor, the actress is doing a, a really good job. Unfortunately, I don't know her name right now, but uh I really like the actress too. I've uh, I've seen her in a number of things. The first time I saw her in was uh, you remember Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip? Well, I know the name, but I never saw it. Oh, I watched it because it was uh, it was Aaron Sorkin's uh, project right after The West Wing finished, and it had Bradley uh, Cooper. Brad, not Bradley Cooper. It had Chandler Bing, didn't it? It did have Chandler Bing. Yeah, and it had uh, damn it, I forget his name. Doesn't matter. Somebody from The West Wing. His first name is Bradley, and uh, and then uh, Doctor Denise. She was in it. Well, the one thing I remember her from. And maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure she had a small role in Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong movie. She did. She was the, uh, she was in the, uh, like the drug the pharmacy. She was a, not uh, the pharmacy clerk. Yes. Where she was, she was young. She was not the pharmacist, but she was asking, uh, right. uh, you know, is it a sin to, you know, to say shit and damn. <laughs> Yeah, that that's who it was. That's yeah, that's yeah, where that, I, that's her. That's I remember her, her from. So, um, anyway, she was brilliant. She was brilliant on uh, Nurse Jackie. Yeah, another show I haven't seen. I saw the first season of, but a- anyways, yeah, great on those shows and great here. So I'm I'm glad they're introducing her more. And I hope you're wrong. I hope they're not just gonna kill Merit her off Weaver. right away. Hmm? Merritt Weaver. That's right. That's right. That's right. I remember talking about when she was cast. Okay, back to the show. Um, Rick comes to Carl and uh, he's holding Judith and he admits to Carl that he just got together with Michonne. Like seriously, just last night. I would have told you, but it's just happened. <laughs> yeah, this, this just happened. Like it was four hours ago that I, uh, well, we don't need to talk about it yeah. in that much detail. We were, we were woken up by this weird long haired dude standing in our bedroom and that was the first time we'd ever slept together. So We weren't even done fornicating. Like that's how new it is. <laughs> In fact, I really wish I hadn't brought him back here. <laughs> um, but Carl's cool with it. Like, he's just sort of like, yeah, don't worry. It's it's all right. I mean, you're going to do what you're going to do. Yep. And uh, Carl says that, you know, Rick wants him to go, but Carl says he'll stay ba- behind to keep Alexandria safe. And, of course, look after Judith as well. So Carl is not coming on the road trip to the hilltop with them. Um. So now they're on the road. Uh, every, well, no, everyone else gets in the RV and they, they're going to leave. And so it's Jesus, Rick, Daryl, 
Abraham, Glenn, Maggie, and Michonne. Jesus, Rick, Daryl, Maggie, Glenn. Abraham. Abraham. And Michonne. Michonne. Okay, so there's seven. That's yep. fine. So that's everybody. So they're on the road. And Abraham... This is a very magnificent seven-type episode, so that's why I'm uh, I'm counting them out. Interesting. You'll have to expand on that later, but yeah. uh, there's seven of them. On the road, Abe asks Glenn if him and Maggie got pregnant on purpose. Uh, but the way he phrases it <laughs> makes it's me... in the most entertaining way possible. ...makes me never want to eat pancakes again. He says, <laughs> when you were pouring the Bisquick... Were you trying to make pancakes? <laughs> <laughs> well, what the hell else are you doing when you're pouring the Bisquick? I mean, for crying out loud. You know, making pancakes, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, but really, if you want to go right literally to the uh, to the euphemism there, like what the hell are you doing with Bisquick if you don't want to make pancakes? Yeah, you really don't. Uh, you don't need it if you don't want to make a pancake. Yeah. Um, well... And Abraham says that he can't believe that anyone would want to have a baby in this world. Uh, but Glenn says, no, you know what? We're trying to build something together. So that's what we're doing. Right. But I, I did like Glenn's reaction a lot. After Abraham delivers that line, Glenn doesn't realize at first what exactly he means. And he goes, uh, yes. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was funny. Um, but I fear that. Abraham is has too many of these one-liners these days. They're making him into a Eugene, I thought. Like this, uh, this you know, having a funny way of talking and about uh, f- his phraseology. Yeah, I think uh, they're Eugeneizing him. But I don't think it's in a good way. Like Eugene, it works for Eugene. He's a really, really socially awkward character. Oh, you could spin Eugene off into his own show. I would watch that. Absolutely, the Eugene U- and and the the. Running away from the dead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Eugene's happy hour. I mean, that would be a hilarious show. Yes. Um, and it works for him. That's that's the character. And, you know, Josh McDermott does a great job. Abraham doesn't need every single line to be like a weird, wacky one-liner, I don't think. And I think he's always had those, but I feel like they've amped it up too much lately. And it, almost all of his dialogue is coming out like that. Yeah. So I need, I think they need to rein it in a little bit, you know, cause he's, he's getting to be too silly. Um, and then back to the scene as they're driving down the road, Rick reaches over and takes Michonne's hand, kind of touches her knee, takes her hand. She's in the passenger seat. Oh my God. It was just so super awkward. Uh, well, that would be awkward. I mean, okay. So imagine, if you will, you're hanging out in yes. your house. Got it. And, and uh, your roommate's sitting beside you. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you and your roommate are bumping, bumping uglies. Yes. Right? So that's kind of... And then the next morning, things, things are awkward. Even though you like that person and you've known them for a long time and all of a sudden you've had sex and it's the next morning and you're sitting there at breakfast knowing full well that you're still roommates... And that uh, everything is exactly as it was, plus the sex. It's going to be weird. So you and think it's okay in this scene? Like, yes, I do think it's okay. All right, you're reaching over, putting your like. It's just it's that tentative. Yeah, I know we had sex, and uh, you know we had this level of intimacy, but you're still my friend, so I'm not really sure what level of intimacy is appropriate in this situation. So I'm going to try something a little more intimate than friends, but a little less intimate than putting my hand down your pants. 
right? <laughs> right. So it's going to be awkward. I fully embrace the fact that this scene, that shot was completely weird and awkward. Okay, so I felt that the makeout on the couch scene was really awkward. And I felt that this scene was really awkward. But I think what you're saying is that these would be kind of awkward things just no, because the, of the relationship they already have. No, the making out on the couch thing was just there was no chemistry there whatsoever. No, that was awkward for a production reason. This was awkward, I felt, was for a character reason. Okay. Well, that's, all right. As long as it's not all awkward for the wrong reasons. No, and it'll, it'll get better. And they'll get uh, – I don't, I don't know what they're – We've well, never really seen these people in uh, very intimate situations, even though Lori was on the show. Uh, there was not a lot of uh, you know, public displays of affection. And Michonne definitely has never had any real public displays of affection with anybody. So we'll see what level that is. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I know Lori and Rick didn't have that – like we didn't see the romantic side of their relationship very much. And if I remember correctly, they were having some – marital difficulties anyways before all this went down oh and then there was the you know pork and chain on the side well there was that whole thing yes but the the little bit we did see of laurie and rick together i didn't feel i felt like like i believed that relationship like i didn't feel like they had sort of an awkwardness between them at all they had the chemistry rick and michonne i just don't feel like have that chemistry now my question is are they going to be able to turn it around like i don't mean the characters but the way the show is created and written and the performances that these actors give are they going to be able to turn it around from the awkward into the natural i hope so i would would think so uh they're you know they're professionals i'm sure they can get their heads out of their asses and get it together (laughs) they can uh they can get to get together yeah all right Well, well we'll see for now though boy i thought that was just awkward well you know I'm, I don't think I could hack it as an actor as far as, uh, you know, having to uh, fake personal relationships or intimate relationships with people. Yeah. And God forbid I ever have to do a sex scene on camera where you have to wear uh, what they call modesty pouches or a modesty patch. Uh, you can put together <laughs> what that means. but uh, I think I can, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like that's the you, – you, <laughs> you put the pouch on so that everything is, you know, perfectly fine. It's not perfectly fine. (laughs) You got this little black bag around your junk and you're bumping up against somebody else's modesty patch. It's weird. And I don't think I could do it. I have nothing but respect for actors that have to fake intimate relationships and uh, pretend to have sex. 10 million bucks to do a movie, Jason? You couldn't do it? I would probably try <laughs> i would try my hardest <laughs> i really don't think that i would rise to the level of somebody offering me that kind of coin uh to to do that kind of thing look at that uh, a try my hardest and rise to that level joke in two sentences and considering what we're talking about <laughs> yeah i would get into the ring with mike tyson for uh for whatever his opponents were ever paid like they were all paid in the millions to lose i would walk into a ring and have mike tyson Friggin' knocked the shit out of me with one punch for $26 million. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Jesus, man. That's pretty brain damaging, though. It really would be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, would, it would be risky, but I think I would, uh, I'd give it a shot. Okay. Because that's all, you know, a lot of his opponents did was get into the ring, and then he'd punch them, and then they'd make $26, $26 million because that, that's all that would happen. So no modesty patch on camera, but you'd take a punch from Mike Tyson. I'd take a punch from Mike Tyson. Okay. With a glove on. Like, not 
Not Especially now, since he's not been, you know, working out. But have you ever seen that man punch somebody else? It's like a friggin' freight train. Yeah, that's why he was so good. YouTube it. It's scary. All right. Uh, okay, so where are we? They <laughs> <laughs> Awkward touching Aw- of the knee. Awkward knee touching. After no that, modesty patches. That's right. <laughs> After that, they're driving along and they come to a crashed car that's on its side. There's zombies around. There's body parts around on the ground and stuff. And Jesus recognizes this, recognizes this as one of his people's vehicles. So they hop out and Rick accuses Jesus that maybe this is a trick and Daryl doesn't trust him either. Yeah. Um, so he gets his gun out and so on and so on. They follow some tracks to a nearby building and realize that Jesus's people are hiding in the building. So they all agree to go in and get the rest of the people. But Maggie stays outside you know, with Jesus with a gun pointed at him so that, uh, if there is a trap, she can shoot him. Yep. Inside it's dark, but everyone sort of moves through the building. Now, Rick and Michonne kill some zombies and they find two people. Glenn and Daryl kill some zombies and they find a guy, one person. And then Abraham finds a guy and almost kills him because he thinks he's a zombie. Right. Uh, but he doesn't luckily. And uh, they bring them all outside. So back on the road again. Um, Glenn and Maggie introduce themselves to Harlan. And he says that he's a doctor. And Glenn immediately asks about prenatal vitamins. Mm-hmm. Important for a pregnant, for a pregnancy. And it turns out it's their lucky day because he is a former obstetrician. Right. The exact right kind of doctor they need at that moment to... Take a look at Maggie. It's a good thing he's not a chiropodist. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, really obstetrician is is the one they were they were hoping for, I think. It, it's ideal, yeah. It is ideal. Um, quick scene of Jesus talking to Freddie, one of his people, asks him if he's all right, and Freddie doesn't seem to be handling things too well, and he, he goes on about his dead wife a little bit. And I, I think Freddie is the guy that Abe got his hands on and almost yeah. killed. Yeah. So he's a little shell-shocked by this whole thing. Um, They're driving along, and Rick is, of course, still driving, and suddenly, out of nowhere, the RV gets stuck in some mud, and they can't continue. But it's okay, because Jesus gets up and says, yeah, you know what? We're here. That's that's because it's the hilltop mud trap. It's the hilltop mud trap. So they all get out of the RV, and they look up at a wooden wall. Now, I didn't like this scene, because there is nothing... There's nothing realistic about this scene. I mean, it this kind of thing would never happen in real life because you'd be driving along. You wouldn't just get stuck in the mud out of nowhere like that badly and then have the guy who's with you, who's who knows where you're going, get up and be like, oh, yeah, it's OK. We're here. It, it just wouldn't happen. Jesus would have been giving him directions or he would have saying been saying something like it's a, it's. It's five miles ahead. You know, we're almost there. Uh, he might not have known about the mud because maybe it had rained. Rick said a storm had come through. So it had rained and so on. But Jesus would have been like, it's just up the road. You know, let's, you know, we're almost there. Get ready sort of thing. It just didn't, the whole thing didn't ring true for me. What was the point of having the RV stuck in the mud to begin with? So that they would walk up to the gate instead of uh, driving their RV up to the gate. Fine. Why doesn't, 
why do we need mud for that? Why can't Jesus have a line that says, you know, it's, it's a mile ahead. Let's park here and, and walk the rest of the way. Or, or, you know, that way there won't be a strange vehicle approaching kind of thing. Like there yeah. are just better explanations. And I, the mud just seemed unnecessary to me because it's not like the RV was stuck forever. Cause at the end of the episode, they drive it away, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it, it does seem, uh, you know, when you put it that way, it does seem a little weird and tacked on. It's the, this is the kind of thing that I feel like you see a lot on TV shows for no reason. It's, it, it's just not how real people would react. Um, and it's not the mud. The mud doesn't need to be there. But I just mean Jesus not having a line where saying we're close now, you know, yeah. take it easy or turn here or something like that. I don't know. It, it didn't work for me, but it's one of those little things that sometimes bothers me that I just have to move on from. Uh, so you're right. They approach the foot. I mean, they approach the gate on foot. The foot. <laughs> on gate. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> as they get close, a couple of guys with spears <laughs> up on top say, stop right there. <laughs> so everybody raises their guns on uh, on them, which I thought was kind of hilarious. Well, yeah. And they, did you know you can buy spear tips? Nope. You can. You can get them. Uh, even in Canada, you can buy them at uh, like army surplus stores. will sell uh, spear tips. I've always thought I just had to make my own spear tips. Well, they, you, you do, but they have to be like <laughs> nicely uh, weighted and, uh, and and such that when you throw them, they don't get all wobbly and stuff. You're not just putting a point on something. You got to have a, a nice spear tip with the, with the properly weight to weight the whole spear, and then it have to fly correctly, and it's, yep. it's a whole thing. But uh, little did uh, I didn't know this until just recently that you can actually walk into an army surplus store and say, you know what, I need a boar spear tip. Yeah, here you go. Cool. 20 bucks. I bet you you're going to go buy some someday. I have no need for a spear. Yeah, but you might buy one anyway. I know you. <laughs> oh, I might. All right. I suppose I could, but I, I don't really have I, I wouldn't even, yeah. I just I'll, thought. Maybe I'll buy one and throw it and see what happens. I just thought it was funny that these two guys, you know, they bring their spears to a gunfight kind of thing. But it just shows that they don't have ammo. They don't have the weapons. So they're using what they can. Yeah. Um. Rick gets a little nervous. He says, I'm not taking any chances. Let's have Gregory come out. First time I think we've heard the name Gregory. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard the name before. Well, I mean on the show. Oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. I knew a guy named Greg. It's full. His full name was Gregory. Well, there you go. So first time we've heard the name on the show. And uh, Jesus says, no, no, no. Don't worry. I trust you guys. So now you trust us. And uh, he he says that, you know, Rick can keep their weapons. We're not going to take your weapons away from you. Um, and then they open the gates and they enter the hilltop. All right. So inside we see chickens, we see crops, we keep, we see people doing various jobs. Uh, Jesus is talking. He explains that a lot of people came, uh, here, um, from a FEMA camp that I mm-hmm. guess was nearby. And he says they got wall material from a nearby power company. That's what they built the walls out of. The telephone poles. Telephone poles. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. They have a, there's a blacksmith. There's a, there was a sawmill, an old timey sawmill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would still be operational so they can cut, you know, big uh, slabs of lumber and all kinds of stuff. It seems like a really good uh, setup they have here. Seems, it does seem like a pretty good setup. Um, and there's a big old house in the center of the camp. And uh, Jesus says he figures that people came here after the apocalypse because it was so old, they thought, it sort of ran before modern technology, so it would run after the modern world broke world broke down as well. Um, 
And he also says that all the windows up top allow them to see for miles in every direction, which is really great for security. Right? They can just yep. all get up there and get a good look. I'm watching the, the video as we uh, go through. I don't know if you know that, that I do this, but I, I watch the video as we uh, go through the recap just to see if I notice anything. Yep. Uh, you know what I noticed when he was talking about the, the windows and that little turret at the top where you can see for miles? Well, I'll tell you what I noticed, but you go first. In the bottom left-hand corner of the screen, somebody's on all fours crawling around on the ground. It just looks like he's crawling away from the house. Just crawling around? Just crawling around. Guy in a black shirt, can't tell the age. Uh, Caucasian male, looks like, just crawling around in all fours. Do you Maybe think it's a kid? Do, I mean, do you think it's a, a character, or do you think it's like a... You know, a grip who got in the shot and is trying to get out inconspicuously. It looks like a character okay. doing something on the ground, but it just looks weird. It's just crawling around. Weird. All fours. Well, I'll have to take another look. What did you notice? I note, well, to me, I thought the house looked really green screened into the background. For some reason, and maybe this is just me, but it's one of those shots where the camera's low down on the ground and our character's in the foreground and it's kind of looking up at the house so that you can see the entire house in the background behind them. And I don't know if it's just that kind of shot or if it's, or if in this case it is a weird special effect, but I really thought that it looked like they were all standing in front of a green screen and that house was put on, you know, superimposed on. It could be. But, but uh, if you if, see a guy crawling around by the house, then uh, maybe he not. He was beside the house though. It wasn't like in front of the house. It, did look a little like that, but I'm not sure that that's the case. All right. Well, it was. I think they built a wall around an actual house. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure they did too, but I don't know. For some reason, in this shot, to me, it just looked. It didn't quite look right. But I think it's the camera angle that does it. Something about my brain, when it sees the entire house in the background like that, goes, "Ah, eh, that can't be real." But I think it is. Yeah. Uh. Okay. The only question I would have, the only reason I think I might agree with you is that when the camera shows the house and uh, Jesus, Rick, and Daryl, everything is in focus. The house is in focus. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the characters are in focus. Uh, it, the trees in the far background are in focus. It just, it, I'm not sure you can get that much you know, that's a wide angle lens probably everything is in focus what the hell do i know i don't know but that's what it could be like it, it's just an unusual uh f focal length or whatever it's an unusual shot and it yeah. just tricks my mind a little bit i don't know if it was a long lens and everything was in focus i would uh i would definitely call bullshit but it's a wide angle lens which has a like you say it's a large field of what I said focal length, but focal length, large focal length. That's it. <laughs> I don't always know all my photography terms. So. Get your wife down here. She knows. Uh, she know. She'd know. She does. My brother-in-law too. He started a photography business. He knows everything now. Really? Yeah. You take pictures of planes? Uh, and well, yes, but all sorts of things too. He does <laughs> cool. photo shoots now. Um, uh, yeah. So that's the building. It looks green screened. They go inside. And they're all kind of amazed at how nice it is in there, especially Abraham. He even comments. Um, and it's another, I don't remember the line now, but it's another wacky one-liner out of his mouth. Uh, so as you can see, they're really playing that up. Uh, mm. Gregory comes out and he insists that everybody get cleaned up before they talk. Uh, and as they're going up the stairs, Rick tells Maggie to wash up first and she can be the one to go talk to Gregory. And he says to her, you got to start doing these things. 
That was uh, that one struck me as a bit weird. Why? Why does she have to start doing these things? I I don't know. He's grooming her to be more of a leader. Where because I mean she was working with Deanna, right? And now she's working on the crops and the plants and stuff, and those are important jobs. But Rick seems to want her to step into more of a a leadership or maybe I don't know ne- negotiation role. <laughs> like, like I don't know. I don't know, but. Uh, he, that's what he wants to do. He says, you got to start doing these things. Uh, we get a brief montage of people outside doing their various jobs around the community, sort of the same things we saw when they first walked in and, uh, back inside, we have Abe and Daryl in a room now. And Abe asks him how long he thinks Rick and Michonne have been ugging bumplies. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> dumbass thing to say. Yeah. And he ends up asking Daryl if he thinks ever thinks about settling down. And, you know, Daryl doesn't really seem to have any thoughts like that. Um, then Abe looks at his necklace in a mirror from uh, Rosita, his Rosita necklace in the mirror, sort of, you know, looking at himself and uh, amongst his thoughts, I guess. Yeah. Self-reflection. Exactly. Literally and figuratively. Isn't that nice? So Maggie goes down to see Gregory, and he gets her name wrong, calls her Natalie. Yeah. Played by Xander Berkeley. Yeah, Xander Berkeley. Uh, I, I know from 24. Okay. Uh, anything else and I've seen? 700 other things. He was in, uh, let's, I'm looking at his IMDb here, 12 Monkeys, Salem, uh, Justified, you didn't watch that, The Mentalist, you didn't watch that. Being Human, you probably didn't watch that. No. <laughs> Nikita, you didn't watch that. Either way, he's been in a lot of stuff. And and I mean, I knew his name, but I, I couldn't place him. Longmire, that's a good show. You should watch that too. There's so many shows on here you should watch, Chris. Yeah, thanks. And there's a lot of shows on there you already have watched, it seems like. 12 Monkeys. I've seen that. That's a movie, right? TV show. Oh, I haven't seen the TV show. He's I've, in the TV show. I only saw the movie. Anyway, Xander Berkeley's been around. He's got some chops. He knows yeah. what he's doing. Um... So, yes, he calls her Natalie, and then they have a little bit of small talk, you know, about coming to the hilltop, and they sit down and talk about what each community has, and Gregory seems to know all about Alexandria. I guess he's been briefed by Jesus already. Oh, yeah. That's um, why they wanted him to go clean up, so that he could get a briefing on what the hell's going on here. Yeah, that does make sense. He needs to get up to speed. Yeah. Um, Maggie wants to talk trade and about how much, you know, they can spare. Um, And Gregory seems to think Alexandria really has nothing to offer. So he says, I'll let your people work here for a share of our supplies. Hmm. Sounds kind of reasonable. Yeah, exactly. You need workers. Um, But he goes on to tell Maggie that she'd be a welcome addition to the hilltop because she's smart and beautiful. And he calls her honey. Which really kind of offends her. Well, it would have, it offended me. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really patronizing to her, you know, and he's just putting her sort of down almost. And, uh, you know, he says, or she says, she's kind of offended. And she says that you need, um, or, uh, you need ammunition and are low on medicine. And they, they have these things, right? Mm. So they do have something they can offer. Um, but he gets a bit pissed. He calls her Natalie again and says, no, we're fine. Are you? <laughs> right. So this whole negotiation does not go as smooth as, you know, 
we probably thought it might. I think Gregory is trying to, I mean, I guess he's just trying to get the best deal possible, right? Yeah, he's trying to belittle her and rattle her and uh, shake her down, essentially. Yeah, he's, he's, he's playing hardball. He's trying to strong arm her a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it, it, in this moment, I think it sort of works a little bit. Like, obviously, they don't come to an agreement. Maggie doesn't completely back down because, you know, she does say we've got medicine and ammunition and you need those. Um, but at the same time, she's taken off guard a little. Right. Right. Um, so uh, that's it for that. We cut over to uh, Jesus. And he's explaining to Rick and Daryl that Gregory, as I said, is just trying to get the best deal possible. And then Rick makes kind of a subtle threat. He says, we came all this way for food and we're going to get it. <laughs> you know, whether he's, he, just, uh, he's just showing his determination to make sure that uh, they have an equitable trading agreement. Right. Uh, between the two, their two uh, encampments. Right. But what he actually means is we came all this way. We're taking your food, whether we come to an agreement or not. <laughs> right. And you can you can brandish your spears and all that shit. But uh, we've we've got automatic weapons here. So, uh, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah. That's, that's the deal. Um, and Jesus, you know, I think he can sort of see that. So he says he'll talk to Gregory and make him understand. Um, I think the there's an interesting dynamic here that I, we may get into a little bit more where, you know, Gregory is the leader, but as Jesus says at some point in the episode, he's not the leader I would have chosen for this place. Jesus seems to be much more aware of what's going on and just kind of level headed. And if he's like the number one advisor to Gregory, that's that, that's the relationship I see, right? He says, I'll make him understand because I can talk some sense into him. Right. So um, just then, though, something starts going on outside, some sort of commotion. They all go out and three people have come back into the hilltop. It's Ethan, a new character, and two others. Ethan rolls up and says that Negan told him the drop wasn't enough and that he has a message for Gregory. Yeah. And then stands too close to him. This was this, uh, I knew what was going to happen long before it happened just because of how, uh, I've got a message for you yes. standing right next to him. And, uh, oh but, yeah. What's, what's the message? Yeah. Message is give us more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, nope. we'll, we'll try. <laughs> the message is I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder and stab you in the stomach. Yeah. And that's what he does. And of course, as soon as that happens, a giant fight erupts. Pretty much everybody who's standing around gets involved. Uh, what happens is Rick tackles Ethan to get him off of Gregory. Another guy starts strangling Abe. This is another guy who came back, I think, with Ethan mm -hmm. and, and a woman whose name I don't know. Um, he's strangling Abe. Daryl pulls him off and breaks his arm. Yeah. Which was just nasty. He just grabs his arm and snaps it. Um, now, while Abraham is being strangled, he hears either Sasha or Rosita's voice. I could not make out what was said. If yeah. you have the video in front of you, if you happen to have subtitles turned on. Do not. Okay. So I couldn't tell which one of those voices it was, but it was one of them. Um, and I don't know what was said either. So we'll have to figure that out. Uh, but in any case, Abe hears the voice. Um, he's lying on the ground. Ethan is now on top of Rick with a knife to his throat, but Rick being the crafty SOB he is, as soon as Ethan looks away, Rick stabs him in the neck. 
right in the neck and there's so much blood. Right in the jugular. The blood just starts pouring out all over Rick's face. Um, everybody, you know, is kind of standing around watching going, what the hell happens? Rick gets up and turns around and says, what? What? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> which I thought was a, a bit silly like it was over the top it was i but i i can attribute that to the character rather yeah. than a the the writer like i think rick was trying to make a point yes he was i guess so he's like you know this guy just attacked gregory uh he was going to kill me we had people trying to kill we had your people trying to kill my people what else would you expect me to do i'm going to stab a guy in the neck and i'm going to eliminate him yeah, so this is, I think it was Rick trying to, uh, you know, set his dominance over this group of people. He knows now that they ran out of ammunition a long time ago. All they've got is knives and spears, and uh, Rick and the gang have automatic weapons and lots of ammunition and lots of skill using these things. Yeah. So he's setting his dominance over this group of people, yeah. and by... Uh, you know, being in a defensive position and attacking the people that started it, he's basically saying, what? What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, it's, it was over the top, but I can just barely attribute it to the character rather than uh, it being over the top production or writing. Okay, good. You've convinced me because I didn't really like the way it came across, but but I'm okay with it. You've yeah. You've convinced me. That's good. What? What? Um, it's like a uh, was it John Travolta in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. What was his name? Vinny Barbarino. That's right. What? What? <laughs> if he delivered the line like that, that would have been a problem. I would have laughed. I'd still be laughing. Oh, probably. If he did a Vinny Barbarino. That'd be awesome. Barbarino. So everyone is uh, after Rick's what? Everyone is still kind of on high alert, of course. But Jesus calms everybody down. And once again, he he blames Ethan for starting this fight. He doesn't put any of the blame on Rick or his group. Um, and then he says to Rick, you know, things aren't as simple as they may seem here. Uh, now, Abraham is still on the ground in a daze from being strangled, I guess. And Daryl asks if he's good. He kind of snaps out of it and he says, yeah, I'm better than all right. So... I'm going to say this is the first, like, regular person line for Abraham in this episode. <laughs> you know, pretty much, except for maybe the conversation with Sasha at the beginning. But uh, he stands up, and we see that his taillight necklace from Rosita is left on the ground. Oh, no. And Abraham seems, seems to have realized something. So he uh, he had a moment of clarity while he was having the life choked out of him. It happens. I guess it does, yeah. If you need to make a really hard decision in life, get someone to strangle you for a while, and you'll be able to make that call. Yeah. The downside to uh, having someone strangle you until you lose consciousness is uh, you tend to pee yourself. Well, that's I bad. I didn't know if you know that, but no. you pee yourself. Uh, you know, the, the almost dying part is probably bad, too. Yeah, but yeah. All right. Back inside the house, uh, Jesus tells them that Gregory will be okay. He's been treated, and he's going to be all right, although he's in a lot of pain. And Rick asks about Negan. And so now we have Jesus giving them a description of the saviors. And he says that, uh, you know, they, they encountered this group. They made a lot of demands. 
and he says the saviors killed one of them right off the bat, a 16-year-old kid they beat to death. Wow. Yeah, not cool. Um, and Jesus tells them that Negan gets half of everything in return for not attacking the hilltop and not killing them. Hmm. So they, you know, they kind of offer protection, but not really. They just sort of offer protection from themselves. <laughs> you know, give us half your stuff and we won't hurt you. Well, that's what protection rackets are. Yeah, right? that's, that's true. extortion. It's just like, yeah, you want protection? Give us a bunch of money and we'll offer you protection. From what? From not having protection. Yeah, that's right. From <laughs> from us, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so Rick asks how big this group, Negan, uh, this group of the saviors is, and Jesus doesn't really know, but he says they've seen groups as big as 20. So there could be lots more, or there could only be 20 guys. You know, who knows? Mm. Um, but Daryl pipes up and is like, look, we can deal with pricks like this. We'll take out Negan for a share of their supplies. <laughs> He's sort of offering them the same deal. Protection. <laughs> protection, exactly. <laughs> I'll offer you protection from the protection for the same amount of money you're offering, you were given to the protection. Exactly. So what could possibly go wrong? Um, now we get a quick scene of Rick's group alone out on the balcony, and they're talking about how, you know, this is the deal. This is really all they can offer you know, this sort of uh, protection, I guess, like you said, or this kind of might that they have, right? Well, it's their, what they really have, this is what they have to offer. Like they don't have food, they don't have uh, pretty much anything. This is their their highest valued commodity is their skills. Their skills, yeah, in killing people. <laughs> yes, in dealing with uh, tough people-related situations. Right. Um, but Maggie is the one who kind of has the level head here and she says, maybe, but this is going to cost us something. It sure is. It sure is. I almost said it sure is, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't refer to her like that. But I didn't. It's belittling. <laughs> but then I thought it was funny because of what happened before. Also funny, yes. So Maggie goes in to see Gregory. He's recovering in bed. Now, they briefly talk about Craig. Craig is a guy, a member of the Hilltop, who Negan still has. He's holding him hostage. We actually found that out earlier when uh, Ethan came back before he stabbed Gregory. Ethan is uh, Craig's brother. Brother, correct. Yeah. So they've got Craig. Um, and Gregory says, you know, I'm not sure I want Craig back anyway. He's a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think he's partially joking, <laughs> but... At the same time, maybe not. I don't know. Gregory's a bit all over the place in this episode. Um, they talk about the offer for of protection. And Maggie says that we've killed people like Negan before. So we've got the skills. We can do this. We can handle this. And, uh, you know, Gregory starts talking about their earlier conversation. He says, you know, I had leverage before and I was just using it to try and get the best deal. You can't, you can't hold that against me. And... This kind of makes Maggie sort of, you know, what's the phrase? Steal her resolve or something? Yeah. Uh, and and she now asks for 50% of all the Hilltop supplies. And she says that the Hilltop's deal with Negan can't last forever. Eventually, your stuff is going to run out and the saviors will come and kill you anyways. It can't last forever. So you need us to do this. So who has the leverage now? Yeah. 
This reminded me of. Oh, uh, uh, I guess I can. Can I can I spoil a movie that everybody should have seen? Well, just warn warn people. Well, this is going to be a spoiler for uh, Batman: uh, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Okay, the, the, the second Dark. the second Christopher Nolan Batman movie. Yeah. So if you don't want to be spoiled with the second. Uh, Batman, Christopher Nolan movie, then, uh, you know, skip ahead about 35 seconds. Okay, from a number of years ago. Yeah. This is the same deal that the Joker gave uh, the group of people. He said, uh, I'll take care of the Batman for half. Right. It's exactly the same deal. I just wanted to point that out. This is the exact same deal that the Joker gave uh, gave that group of, that syndicate of, of bad guys. Well, that's interesting, but what I thought about this is, as I already said, like this is exactly the same thing that Negan has already imposed on these people. I'll take 50% of your stuff and offer you protection. Rick's group and Maggie walks in and says, we'll take 50% of your stuff and get rid of Negan. How, how is it any different? How is it any better? Like it's, it's not a negotiation. It's kind of a, your, extortion. Your extortion. You're screwed either way. And like, and Gregory has to agree to the deal. Isn't this the same plot as uh, The Magnificent Seven? I don't know. I'll, I must admit I've only ever seen half of that movie. Oh, well, half. Uh, what about uh, The Seven Samurai? I'm sorry. I haven't ever seen The Magnificent Seven. I've seen the half of Seven Samurai, okay. the original. Uh, well, I haven't seen it either, but... <laughs> I'm just speculating, but I think this is the same plot as uh, the Magnificent Seven it kind of, Seven Samurai. It is, from what I understand, is there's a town, and um, oh, I was going to say they're being raided, but no, there's some threat to the town, and the yeah. Seven Samurai come in and offer to protect the town, and that's what the Magnificent Seven remake, sort of American Western remake, is. Right. So I guess yeah, this is kind of the same the same idea here. So I'm glad to hear that uh, this, the the people in the in the van, uh, in the uh, the camper, numbered seven. But that includes Jesus. It does, but he's obviously kind of on their side. It seems like. Yeah, he's the one who's in here saying, "Look, I can get Gregory to agree to whatever I want." <laughs> so because right, he's Jesus, he's that's right. He's the puppet master. Yeah. Um, but but all I could think was just like this is exactly the same deal. Like how can how can Maggie and Rick's crew get away with this? Just saying. You know, I know you're screwed now, but we're going to screw you equally. I mean, I guess the one difference is they're not saying we every month or constantly want 50% of your stuff. We want payment for this service, one-time payment of 50% of everything you have now. Once Negan is out of the picture, we'll work together and share everything we have. Right. Or you'll pay. <laughs> or you'll pay. That's right. <laughs> so, Because at that point, the only threat is us. It's true. It's true. I don't know. It's it's what I was thinking of. It's like this is no better for the hilltop. They're getting screwed either way. Yeah. Um. So we go outside and they're loading supplies in the RV. And Rick asks one of the hilltop's people, and I had to look it up. His name is Andy, and he's played by an actor named Jeremy Palco. He's been around. He's been in Bloodline, Sleepy Hollow, Burn Notice. You know, he's been on some shows. Oh, Bloodline. Um, I remember that. That was a good show. Damn, I loved Bloodline. Yeah, I look forward to season two of that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't remember this this actor in it, though. Um, anyways, his his name on The Walking Dead is Andy. Rick asks him to come so that he can help with information about Negan's compound. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the details of it. He's been there. Rick's going to need some info if they're going to uh, attack him or do something. 
So they're getting in the RV and Michonne says, you know, it's going to be a fight. And Rick's confident. He tells her, we'll win. We have to. (laughs) So because what else? What's the what's the other option? Right. Not get any food or uh, what the what Alexandria needs to survive. Starve to death. That's the other option. Yeah. Um, so before the end here, we get a scene of Maggie and Glenn with the Hilltop doctor and they're getting an ultrasound of their baby, mm-hmm. um, which I believe most people in the States refer to as a sonogram. Oh, really? But up here we call them ultrasounds. Yeah. Um, and you can see the baby, you can see the little peanut looking baby inside Maggie's, uh, belly. <laughs> Womb, even. <laughs> Womb, uterus, yes. Um, which is nice. It's a nice little scene for the two of them. Yeah. Um, back in the RV, they're they're leaving the hilltop now, driving away, and they pass the ultrasound picture around for everybody to see. And uh, Daryl doesn't look too impressed, but Abraham gives them a smile. Oh, that's nice. It is nice. And they drive away from Alexandria, and there you go. That's the episode. Uh, not Alexandria, the hilltop, and they end. That's it. So, uh, first introduction to another community that is not, you know, the wolves and kind of civilized in a way. A friendly community. Friendly-ish. I mean, well, I mean, they're they're <laughs> not hostile, not openly hostile. Right. Uh, exactly. And they've got their own set of problems and, and, you know, hopefully these two groups can come together to mutually solve each other's problems, which right now seems to be Negan and the saviors. And they have a blacksmith. That's a big deal. And and a a fully qualified doctor too. Oh yeah. Also big deal. Yeah. Um, and, and livestock and they're growing crops. I mean, these, these people have, have done a lot of the right things, I think in, in the zombie apocalypse. There's a lot of shit and these people have it all together. Exactly. They have it all together. Um, and I, I think they've been there since the beginning, right? Like Rick's group has moved around. They were in the, the, the farm, the prison, Alexandria, uh, sorry, I skipped Woodbury, um, you know, on the road in Alexandria, they haven't stayed in one place long enough to really make a community and start all of these things that you need to do to survive somewhere long-term. Whereas the Hilltop have been there for a couple of years or however long it's been. And they've really got that aspect of things together. So Alexandria has been there since the beginning. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so what the hell and, have they been doing? <laughs> so yeah, what the hell have they been doing? A and uh, B, why haven't they run into the hilltop before? Yeah, I read that the hilltop is only 20 miles from Alexandria, which does not seem what very do you mean, far. read that? Where did you read that? The Walking Dead wiki. Why does it say that? Like, well, where are they know. getting that from? Uh, honestly, I don't know, but I do go there for information about characters and and you know actors who play characters and and stuff like that. It's a pretty good source of information, but you're right. I don't know where all of it necessarily comes from. It is fan edited. It's a wiki, after all. When Jesus said that, uh, you know, if you have a car, uh, I can take you there within a day, right? Mm-hmm. And when I imagined that, I was thinking I could drive from Toronto to Sault Ste. Marie in eight hours. So let's assume that's a day. That's almost a thousand kilometers away. Yeah. You would never run into somebody uh, from the Sioux in Toronto just by accident. Sure. So I think, though, in this universe, you know, with all of the the roads in a state of disrepair and broken down vehicles and things like that, I think a thousand kilometers 
or whatever it is from your house, 800 kilometers to Sault Ste. Marie, is is probably unrealistic for one day of apocalypse travel. Yeah, I know, but still, um, there's other things you run into, other problems, right? So even let's say that it's half that, if it's 400 kilometers away. To Sudbury, then. To, to Sudbury, whatever. That's that's pretty far, and I think that would be reasonable to think that you know you wouldn't run into these people at all. Yes, I would think that too. And but eighty miles, four hundred kilometers is a lot more than twenty miles. Or twenty miles, that's <laughs> yeah. nothing. It is nothing. I mean, they people go on. Uh, they've been going on walkabout for uh, two weeks at a time. Yep. going farther and farther afield. You'd think they would run into Hilltop or at least Negan and uh, uh, his crew. Yeah. Every now and again. I don't know. Maybe, you know, Alexandria really only had Aaron going out looking for people. So maybe he wasn't expanding very far. Maybe he'd go out five miles in a five mile radius, just scout around a bit and come back. Maybe he was just going to that church outside the wall <laughs> and just hanging out there for two weeks. Maybe he wouldn't. Like, yeah. I just need to get away from, uh, what was his boyfriend's name? Um, Eric, I think. Eric, I yeah. just need to get away from Eric. He talks too much. <laughs> I just need to. I need to relax. I'm going to go hang out in that church for a week. I'll come back and say I didn't find nothing. Yeah, that's There's right. nothing left out there. Boy, but then he did go and find our group. So, yeah, but that's because there was a storm. There was a tornado coming. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You're right. It seems weird that they wouldn't have run into each other. But at the same time, that's a lot of square miles to cover. And if you don't have a lot of people looking for each other, just the fact that you haven't crossed paths might not be that unrealistic. Right. You should leave signs out that uh, say sanctuary this way. Yeah, exactly. Terminus <laughs> sanctuary for those those who arrive, survive. That's right. All right. So um, real quick, uh, what did you think of this episode? I, I didn't have too many issues with it. I, I don't like how they how, I don't like where they're going with Abraham's character all that much, but. I do hope they tone it down a little bit. I'm not ready to say, you know, he's lost me altogether. Um, but I do think it was fun to see the introduction of the new community and everything they have. And uh, it's setting up for a lot of good stuff to come, I think. Overall, I really like this episode. Yeah. I thought uh, the plot moved forward, which is nice to see, other than just, uh, you know, oh my God, zombies are attacking. I need to uh, you know, survive that. Which has been a large part of the first part of this season, so uh, it's nice that we can have plot moving forward that is all human based, mm-hmm. right? So now we have we've been introduced to a whole slew of new characters, a new situation, and a new threat, yep. all in one episode, which I thought was uh, uh, was really good, and it also gave us a, a more a higher level of comfort with uh, with the Jesus character. Last episode, it was you know he was a bit of an antagonist. You know, he's beating the crap out of Rick and Daryl. Uh, he, you know, is very crafty. How crafty is he? Did he engineer this whole thing? What's going on with him? Now we know more about what's going on with him, and it's good. It's something that we can get on board with. We can officially relax and like this character now, which I'm glad about because I was I was hoping that we could like this character. And I got to admit, I really do like him. Like, he's just so capable and in control and, you know, has knowledge of, of various things, right? And I, I think they're doing a, a great job with him so far. Yeah. And the guy who plays him, um, another British guy, Tom Payne, um, is doing a great job. 
phenomenal yeah. job. I, Always doing, yeah. I ended up watching most of AMC's Talking Dead after this episode, and he was on. Um, and he now has a real beard. But when they first, when they shot these episodes, it was a fake beard because he said he basically got the role confirmed for him like a week before he was supposed to be on set shooting scenes. And he said, I, I'm good, but I can't grow a beard like that in a week. <laughs> well, yeah, if you concentrate real hard and eat like a whole, nothing but potatoes, I think you can grow a beard uh, pretty quickly. But yeah, this, uh, this fake beard mustache hair thing uh, is bothersome, but I'm going to go ahead and forgive it. By the end of the season, I think you're going to see Tom Payne with real beard on screen. Yeah, a little more, you know, a little more lead time. If you need somebody to have like uh, shoulder length hair and a uh, a full beard, and you're going to call him Jesus, give him some lead time for crying out loud. Yeah, more than seven days. Yeah, give give him a couple of months, just like just to you know, <laughs> relax and grow a damn beard. What could possibly get done in seven days? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I like this episode too, despite the little bits here and there, the mud scene and, and Abraham's character. I agree with you. They they delivered a lot of information in this episode. You know, we learned all about the hilltop. We learned a lot more about Negan and the saviors. Um, and and I, I was sort of yearning for that a little bit, right? Like I wanted to know more about what Jesus was up to, where he was from. And I'm glad it didn't take a long time to get us there. You know, we, we met Jesus last episode and now look, we're already at his house and we know all about what's going on there. And so I'm glad they're moving it along. Now I'm guessing, and I have no idea what, uh, what's going to happen, but I'm guessing we're not going to be introduced to Negan and really see much of the saviors until the season finale. I, I agree. I think that Negan's not going to show up until uh, maybe even the last five seconds of this season. Yeah, the last scene of the season finale. Um, I think we'll we'll get a little bit more about the Saviors community and their their uh, compound. I think as they called it in this episode, but we're not really going to see them much before the season finale. So we've got episode twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and then sixteen to get through before that um 16 being the finale so that's five episodes and i'm really thinking man what are they going to do to fill these five episodes i don't know and i'm intrigued i'm excited to find it out so and that reminds me i've told you i've mentioned that my mom watches the walking dead right uh i well i thought i didn't think she did but she does now oh she yeah she watches the walking dead i can't believe we're never going to get your mom on here I talk to her every every week or so when I talk to her, and she brings up The Walking Dead, and she's always nice because she asks, you know, have I watched the episode just to make sure that, uh, you know, she doesn't spoil anything for me, and uh, I do the same for her. So she watches The Walking Dead, and we talk about it every now and again, and I give her a little, like, she likes that I have more in, inside information than she would normally have, because she doesn't look on the internet. No. Like, she doesn't use the internet. She watches TV and talks about it with her friends, <laughs> uh, and that's about it. When I told her... That because uh, she asked who Negan was in uh, last episode when the biker gang mentioned Negan, yep. she thought that the leader of the bike biker gang was Negan. I said, "No, that's not Negan. Negan's going to show up uh, uh, later on in the uh, in the season." And she she asked me who was going to play that. And when I told her that Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who was uh, he was in Grey's Anatomy and who, basically who was going to be in this episode, she nearly jumped through the phone. 
She said that she, as far as she's concerned, he's the sexiest man alive. And that is weird coming out of your mother's mouth. Yeah, it's a little weird. So uh, she was so excited that she could barely stop talking. It was uh, it was nuts. And apparently, my cousin Nicole gets together with a whole group. Used to get together with a whole group of friends to watch uh, Grey's Anatomy, which he apparently was on. And they would uh, have to record the show because they would just talk, talk, talk all the way through it because they're just a bunch of people getting together. Yep. But when Jeffrey Dean Morgan was on the show, everybody would get quiet oh, and just boy. watch him. <laughs> so this, well, uh, amongst my family up in the Sioux, this is huge. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is is a good looking dude. I will. I will agree with that. I like him a lot. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear your mom is excited that he's coming on. Uh, but I think she's going to have to wait almost five episodes. Yeah. I to figured see him. that I told her and she, yeah, she's pretty much beside herself with excitement. Exciting. Him showing up. It's good. She's like, she's a little worried that he's going to be a bad guy, but she's still excited. All right. Well, I look forward to you updating us with your mom's um, reaction and opinion to what happens when Negan actually does show up on the show. I will keep you posted. Very good. All right. Uh, that's it for the recap. Let's take a short break and come back with our holy crap moments for this episode. Stay with us. If you want to help support the Talking Dead podcast, you can do that, of course, by visiting visiting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. We've totally revamped all the support levels. Um, you can get a sticker. You can get a T-shirt. You can even tell us what to talk about on the podcast if you want to go for that level. So, yeah, visit patreon.com slash the talking dead to check all those out. And um, we thank everyone so much for their support. If that's not for you, then just please visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the Amazon country of your choice to use our links. And then everything you buy at Amazon, a, uh, every dollar you spend, a tiny cut comes back to us without costing you any more. And of course, that is a huge help as well. So thanks to everyone for supporting us. It is fantastic. We'll be right back.
Holy crap. Did you see that? All right, it is time for your holy crap moments, and uh, not too many, not too many came in for this episode. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of holy crappiness to this episode. I yeah, I, they, that could have been it. That could have been it, or or maybe you know we we missed the feedback show and people thought we were dead, so they're like, well, we're not going to write into a couple of guys that are dead. <laughs> That's a waste of time. Were yeah. there any zombies in this episode? <laughs> yeah, there were the ones in the building where they went to get uh, Jesus' oh, yeah. people, okay. and, and there stuff. was the ones stuck in the wheel well of the car. Yeah. Stuck under the car. That was pretty nifty and gross. That was pretty good. Yeah. That's that probably was... on the list. Sorry, I'm preempting somebody's uh, holy crap. Well, say. actually, you know what? There's not too many, but let's let's start here. Sally on the internet writes Holy crap moment of the night had to be badass Maggie breaking balls and getting half the supplies. <laughs> I'm assuming they're they're going home first, or are they taking the supplies directly to Negan? <laughs> I think they're going home first. <laughs> <laughs> We'll take your supplies. <laughs> yeah. We'll bring them to Negan. Right. Actually, that's not a bad idea. That might be what Maggie's plan was. You know, they need an inn into the compound. The inn is, we've brought your supplies. And then they Trojan horse their asses into the compound, come out of their uh, their Trojan camper van, and uh, open up, hopefully killing as many Negans as they can find. Uh-huh. You're right. I mean, that is a good idea. Or... Are they double crossing? Like, are they taking the supplies, going to Negan and say, we got all their shit. We're working with you now. They don't, they don't do that. I hope not. Jesus. No, they don't, they, Rick wouldn't do that. Yeah, I hope not. Maggie wouldn't let them. Right. She put the, put their foot down. But you know what? That's a good plan. Like get a bunch of stuff together and dry and Trojan horse them. Like you said, drive in and be like, we have all your stuff and then open the back door and start shooting. Yeah. They did that in, uh, Stripes. They did? In a camper van. Yeah. It was a military camper. Go watch Stripes. It's a good I, movie. I should I should mention right here, right now, co- slight comic spoiler coming up. I am aware that something happens in the comic that is kind of similar to what this idea that, that you just outlined, Jason. So, Oh, really? We will see what happens in the TV show. It can't be a spoiler if I don't know about it. No, I exactly. You haven't. I don't think you've read that far. No, I haven't read that. I've read up to episode one, or issue 100. Yeah. Pretty sure it happens after issue 100. Uh, I've spoiled things that I don't know about before. Yeah, I know. Well, you've done it again. Sorry. Adam in Texas writes, holy crap. I never, I will never eat pancakes or Bisquick ever (laughs) again. (laughs) Yeah. But damn, I love having Abraham on the show. That guy is one son of a dick. (laughs) Son of a dick. Yeah. It is, but tone it down. Tone it down. He he should only get one or two funny one-liners per season, not per episode, in my yeah. opinion. So tone it down. Katie in Blackwood, New Jersey. Holy crap. Did you see how Gregory is the king of Doucheville? Wouldn't doubt he purposely called Maggie Natalie a second time just to be a dick. So glad he was shanked. Also, did you see how they left the door to the RV open? Definitely a great way to invite a stray zombie in. Well, yeah, we've seen that before with the the, uh, the RV inspector zombies. They wander into places such as open doors. RV doors, I know. It's. Yeah. I was sitting here watching it with my wife, and she said they didn't close the door. That's the worst idea. Yeah, you could. You know, you come back to the the RV to get it out of the uh, uh, out of the sinkhole there, and there's an there's a zombie in the shitter. <laughs> you don't want that. No, you do not want that. And for the record, Katie is not my wife. Katie's my sister, <laughs> but not this Katie. What? It's very confusing. What are you talking about? I said I was watching with my wife, and she said that they left the door open. It's a bad idea, which is the same thing Katie said And inside baseball that 
no one thinks it's funny except me. Oh, right, because Katie's your sister. My sister. is your wife. Right, exactly. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and this Katie is neither, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. See, that's it was funny to me. Uh, Steve on the internet. Holy crap, did you not see that? Rosita's so freaking hot. Am I the only one who wishes this show was running on HBO? <laughs> or Showtime. Just, yeah, I think we can just leave that there. Uh, Frank on the internet. Internet. Every time they say Jesus's name, I still can't get over that they're talking about the character, not our Lord and Savior. Jesus, do you trust these guys? Or Jesus, what's wrong with you? Kind of make me chuckle. <laughs> I kind of hope that's a thing going forward. I will just not laugh near any lightning rods. Probably a good idea. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Noop J on the internet writes, holy crap, that plantation home looked extremely well-preserved given the dirt farmers running around the place. It just seemed like it should be much sloppier and not so pristine. It's a museum. Yeah, he was talking about it being kind of a... Um, historical landmark right yeah there's a place in the sioux called the old stone house that's exactly that it's a house from uh the early 1800s and uh, it was just preserved as uh, an old house but i think the point here is that we've been in the zombie apocalypse for two years and things like that you kind of let go a little bit so it's still in good shape considering you know it hasn't had or you wouldn't think has had much maintenance over the last couple of years uh, that's true, but they they used to build those things to last. That's true. Like you build a house now, it's made out of it's got aluminum studs and drywall that's uh, you know an eighth of an inch thick, and it, it just falls down after a while. And shingles that are made out of plastic, uh, all that kind of crap. But you know, back in the eighteen hundreds, they made that shit because uh, you know you really couldn't spend all your whole lives maintaining it, so you had to build it to last the first time. Yeah, build it solid. They don't make shit like they used to, man. And go to the old stone house in the Sioux. It's uh, it's it's quite the place to go to. You've really been talking up the Sioux a lot lately. I have. And the only reason the, the old stone house, it's the oldest house in the Sioux. And the only reason that it's, the, uh, it's still standing from the, the early 1800s is that during the War of 1812, uh, the Americans came over and burned the whole town down, except for the old stone house because he was a collaborator. <laughs> so not because it was really solid and sturdy, but no, he was collaborating. <laughs> That's right. He was collaborating with the Americans, so they left his house alone. Well, any Americans in northern uh, Michigan, right? Yes. Go yep. across the border and visit Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. It's a nice little place, and it's Jason's hometown. And don't burn it down. They, we, you've already done that once. That's enough. That's enough. It's okay. We burned down the White House once, so I think well, we're even. We were pretty much, uh, the Americans don't think that. They think it was the British that burned it down. Well. But it was the Canadians that did it. All right. On behalf of the British. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Collaborators. <laughs> yeah. Um, where am I? Michael in London writes, my holy crap moment was, holy crap, how disrespectful Gregory was when it came to forgetting names. I mean, to be calling poor Megan by the name Natalie was incredibly distasteful. I mean, imagine if he did that to Nick Grimes. He would put Gregory in his place. <laughs> he sure would. <laughs> Pretty funny, Michael. I like See, what that. I would have done in that case was, I, uh, talking to Maggie, I, the first thing I would say is, can I help you, sir? <laughs> That's that's just confusing, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't see that really as belittling. That's just like, um, what? <laughs> uh, all right. Two more. Jack in somewhat rainy England writes, holy crap, did you see the lack of a doormat 
in the fancy hilltop house. We saw how muddy the ground near the RV was moments before the guy makes a fuss about how hard the house is to keep clean. He doesn't even provide a place to wipe your shoes. Yeah, and go upstairs to clean up. Like, track your friggin' mud all the way through the house and then clean yourselves up because we want to keep the place clean. Just lie down on the beds up there, you know, it'll be fine. We got a working laundry facility here. Go out to the shed and hose your shit down, (laughs) and then you can come in the house. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. Uh, Finally, Nathan on the internet, back to the beginning of the episode. Holy crap, did you see how the show pushed aside Carl's incredibly dark, a kid with a messed up face comment, and Rick didn't say anything as if he was too busy thinking about his next joke to Michonne about being her second sword? (laughs) Or... Holy crap, did you see how Abraham has furthered himself as a caricature by solely speaking in awkward metaphors about ejaculation? Mm-hmm. So we've and covered... we've And raincoats, yeah. We've covered that, but what about the first bit there? Um, the second sword joke aside, Carl, Carl does get a bit dark, like, you know, maybe a kid with a busted up eye or face doesn't make the best impression when you're going to meet new people. I mean, Rick just kind of hands him the baby and walks away. Uh, I think that's kind of what you have to do with a teenager. Teenagers are going to be dark and broody. Yeah, maybe. They're going to be dark and broody. They got the hormones running through them. They're going to say dark and broody things. He's probably just par for the course where he's, uh, he's feeling sorry for himself because his eyes all busted up. And it's like, well, I don't want, you don't want a kid with a messed up face showing up. Take <laughs> the baby and go. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, you got to pick your battles with kids, right? Yeah, you just got to let it slide. Let it slide. Okay, so it's not that big a deal. No, no, it's not. He, uh, him and Enid can hang out and be dark and broody together. That's right. Now they got the place to themselves. Once the baby goes to sleep. Oh my God. <laughs> sex is okay in that house. Rick proved it. Rick just made that okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah, if I was a teenager and, uh, my dad was going away, uh, I'd try and come up with an excuse to stay home with Enid mm. or my girlfriend at the time. I think you're probably right. I'm babysitting. Oh. Right. <laughs> Woohoo. I bet, I bet you they even have a liquor cabinet. Oh my god, I bet you they do. See, this is not a bad thing. Carl's not stupid. These are these are Uncle Jason's stories from the 90s right on screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was the 80s. Oh, I was yeah. Carl's age in the 80s, sadly enough. That's well, I was too actually, so yeah. not a big deal. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for writing in and tuning in to this episode. Um, I We will be back on Wednesday night with our feedback show, if all goes as planned. <laughs> and uh, by gosh, it better this week. We're going to keep our heads firmly out of our asses. No heads up asses this week if we can avoid it at all costs. So... We will be back. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you want to get in touch in the meantime, and I hope you do with your feedback, uh, you can visit our website, click on send voicemail, and then record a message right into your computer. Um, I heard someone sent in a note, which I have to get back to you on that, about having some trouble with that thing. So if you do have trouble, by all means, let me know and I'll look into it. Uh, That thing is provided by a, a sort of a web service. And uh, if there's something wrong, then I want to know. Um, but you can also, of course, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead, um, and send email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, this was excellent. 
I had a good time recording tonight, Jason. We're back I at the didn't saddle. Hear any uh, clicks or pops? Everything sounded okay on my end. Okay, well, let's fingers crossed everything is good because if this one is fucked, we're re-recording it. Yeah, <laughs> I hate to tell you, we're doing it again. <laughs> oh, I'll do it again. All right. Um, until next time, everyone. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.